I want to welcome everybody to our call tonight. My name is Dr. Frank Painter, and I'm a chiropractor from LaGrange, Illinois. I'm also the editor of the HealthQuest newsletter, which Bruce Miller started 35 years ago. And it was the first science-based sales aid that was available to the Shackley Field. Bruce decided to retire in 2006, and so he approached me about taking over the newsletter, and I've been producing it since that time. So we're looking at 13 years that I've been working on the newsletter. So what do you say we, <clears throat> excuse me, what do you say we get started on our call tonight, which is titled Supplementation for the Prevention of Disease? Now, the holistic concept of prevention is completely at odds with our current medical health care system. Conventional medicine typically relies on drugs or surgery to address established disease states, whereas the complementary or alternative approach to care is focused on the prevention model. And that's why AltMed has continued to increase in popularity. Now, I happened to be in chiropractic school from 1990 to 1993. So I was walking through our library one day and walked past uh, the new issue of the New England Journal of Medicine, and the cover story was on alternative medicine, which, of course, blew my mind. At that time, medical journals had a policy that they would publish no articles about chiropractic unless it was a neg unless there was a negative result so basically medical journals completely blocked chiropractic and the war between the conventionals and the alternatives was still in full bloom so being as a, this article was uh, in the new england journal of medicine i immediately grabbed it read it and then made a copy of it so let me tell you about it in 1993 david eisenberg md who was a professor at Harvard Medical School, published his groundbreaking Altmed Review article. And in that article, during the time that medical care was experiencing drastic reductions in their personal incomes, Eisenberg stated that Americans made an estimated 425 million visits to providers of unconventional therapy. And in fact, that number far exceeded the number of visits to all U.S. primary care physicians, which in 1993 was about 388 million. That was a real wake-up call to medicine. Eisenberg went on to state that the expenditures associated with the use of unconventional therapy in 1990 amounted to about $11 billion, three-quarters of which was paid out of pocket. Now that figure also happened to exceed the $12.5 billion spent out of pocket for all the hospitalizations that had occurred during that same year. So according to Eisenberg, who was a distinguished professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School, by 1990, more people were seeking alternative medicine than were seeking alternative care. And the truth is, that's called voting with your pocketbook, because at that time, most insurance companies and policies did not cover any form of alternative medicine. And this data became really impossible for organized medicine to ignore. So naturally, 
organized medicine's first response was to go into attack mode, publishing as many there's no evidence to support it articles as they could possibly write. And uh, <clears throat> they rarely explored why patients were turning to alternative medicine approaches like supplementation or chiropractic. And that's why today many critics and hospitals have finally adopted the integrative medicine model. Unfortunately, many of them have failed to adopt the holistic philosophy that underpins the alternative approach. So although you may see a chiropractor or an acupuncturist in a hospital today in what they call integrative, they're still under the management of the medical staff and they have not adopted the holistic philosophy of prevention. And that's what we're going to talk about today. First, let's talk about America's food nightmare. We can't really discuss the concept of staying healthy without first considering modern food production. There's been a massive collision between technologies like genetically modified crops or the desire for corporate products profits that is woven into an imaginary world in which convenience has become the dominant theme in American food consumption. St whole food store aisles uh, are dedicated to frozen microwave meals or glossy prepared foods. And fast food restaurants virtually line every American boulevard. Now, conventional produce production, which is covering fruits and vegetables, is even more bizarre. These foods are force grown with chemical fertilizers while being smothered with pesticides. And then they're picked green and immature, refrigerated for prolonged periods, and then they're eventually ripened by exposing them to ethylene gas. So because of this profit-driven approach to growing food, Conventional produce contains much lower levels uh, of all the key nutrients than they used to have, and they're also being polluted with various levels of pesticide residue. Now, packaged food production is equally unsettling. Grains used in prepared foods are first stripped of their nutritious seed coats. Then they're bleached with harsh chemicals, protected by preservatives, Refortified with synthetic vitamins, and then they're packaged in plastic containers. <laughs> so because of this mass production approach and mentality, our food contains a lot less of the vital nutrients than we need. And they also, as I mentioned earlier, contain undesirable environmental toxic residue that could all contribute to disease. Our food options are shrinking. We can either go all natural, like hopefully organic, or we can fortify our meals with supplements while continuing to eat the basic all-American diet. And the truth is that most of us fall somewhere between those two extremes of the spectrum. Ben Franklin once said, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And there's no denying that getting well with conventional medicine is an incredibly expensive proposition. Now, Medicare, who's the close, most closely managed care system, uh, healthcare system on the planet, compiles, compiles hospital charges for all the most common diagnoses in every hospital in our country. And they report that the average, and this is average, 
medical stay in a hospital costs between eight to twelve thousand dollars although chaos exceeding a hundred thousand dollars is far from uncommon mostly costs for insulin for example humalog has risen to anywhere from three hundred to six hundred dollars a vial driving monthly costs for the average diabetic to somewhere between six hundred and twelve hundred dollars a month depending on how much that patient might need every day that's pretty frightening so why don't we consider what is prevention well by definition prevention involves taking action steps to stop something undesirable from happening now a conventional medical doctor might recommend for example that you get a flu shot whereas a holistic provider would probably suggest that you take nutrients that will strengthen your immune system now of course it's logical to ask which approach is better so let's look at a few examples of how different these approaches are now in example one researchers at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases which is one of the 27 institutes at the National Institute of Health looked at 33 years worth of flu statistics between 1968 and 2001 and the authors were shocked to discover that there had been absolutely no reductions in death rates between 1980 when only 20 million people got a flu shot and 2001 when over 80 million got a shot so four times as many people getting a shots no change whatsoever in death rates and they concluded that flu shots had zero impact on reducing deaths from flu complications in people over the age of 65 thus flu shots failed to achieve their major objective which is to save lives now my holistic example is very personal I haven't succumbed to the flu over the last 22 years because at the first sign of symptoms I immediately take Shackley's defend and resist complex along with Shackley's garlic complex and Shackley's sustained release vitamin C and only in the in the last 20 years I've only ever needed to take that dose uh, only twice on day two that's how effective they are warding warding off flu viruses now let's review another JAMA study because it really exhibits the differences between conventional and holistic approaches to care in a randomized clinical trial researchers at the University of Washington's Children's Hospital exposed 407 children to a cold virus by spraying it directly in their nose with a you know whatever you call those things that they give you a shot with uh, you, you know what I'm talking about then once those children were already displaying the onset of cold symptoms then half of them were given echinacea which everyone knows is a herbal remedy widely used for treating upper respiratory tract infections now the parents were asked to track the duration and the severity of the symptoms these kids experienced during this induced illness now following the first round of infection the placebo and the echinacea groups both experienced pretty similar outcomes and the authors concluded that echinacea was not effective in the treatment of upper respiratory infections but this is where it gets really interesting 
The researchers failed to report, because remember, this is a four-month trial. They failed to report that the children in the echinacea group experienced significantly fewer second and third cold infections than the placebo group did. <clears throat> now, the Center for Disease Control Statistics reveal that the average American child experiences anywhere from six to eight colds every year. So preventing that second or third infection should have been considered a really big deal. At least it was to me. I helped raise two kids from kindergarten all the way through high school. And at one point, the school nurse actually approached us and asked, how come the kids missed so little school? You should have seen the shock in her eyes when we told her why. In reality, we cut school one, one time every year on Columbus Day so that we, as a family, could go into Chicago and just cruise around the museums during a school day when there wouldn't be a big crowd. And then we'd go out for a nice lunch. Sometimes we'd go out to the lake and just sort of laze for a while in the sunlight. That was just around the end. That's in October. So the hot season was over, and you could just sit by the lake and enjoy the breeze, and it was wonderful. But to get back to this story of this uh, failed echinacea trial, the author was approached by a news person who had heard that the children who had been on the program for four months were not getting sick the second time. And so the author stated, well, it's conceivable that echinacea stimulated an immune response in the study children that was too late to modify the current infection but provided a window of protection against another upper respiratory tract infection in the child. Now, evidently, the author didn't think that was really that important. <laughs> Can you imagine that? So although the author was happy to claim that echinacea was worthless, once he was confronted by this reporter, he suggested that echinacea appeared to be protective against future infections. Isn't that what vaccination is supposed to accomplish? Hmm? So this study really emphasizes how and why clinical trials can mask significant results based on the author's previous biases. Now, unfortunately for all of us, conventional medicine is still driven by that type of evidence because key information was withheld or considered irrelevant in this cold study, so medical doctors are much less likely to recommend your child take echinacea rather than getting a flu vaccine. Now, I've previously reported on other supplements don't work studies that usually are seized upon by the media. You know, if, you know the old rule, if it bleeds, it leads. Well, three of the most obnoxious examples were published in JAMA, or the Journal of the American Medical Association, and also the Annals of Internal Medicine, two of the best-selling uh, two medical journals. And they both focused on results of the Physician's Health Study Number 2. Now, these studies reported on a large group, in other words, thousands of male physicians, any, anybody who was aged 50 years or older. Now, these doctors were given single synthetic vitamins, including either alpha-tocopherol, ascorbic acid, or a synthetic multivitamin over an eight-year period. Now, based on their health outcomes, 
The authors then reported that none of these nutrients appeared to protect these doctors from cardiovascular disease, prostate or other types of cancers, or cognitive decline. Now that sounds pretty convincing, doesn't it? However, when you really dig into the papers, it demonstrates that the authors were totally clueless about what supplementation is actually for and how it actually works. First off, the median age of participants was actually 64 years old. 44% of these doctors, and this just blew my mind, were either current or past smokers, half of them. 42% already had high blood pressure at the beginning of the trial. 9% of them already had cancer. And 6% already had established heart disease. And another 6% already had diabetes. So as I mentioned already, all of them received synthetic nutrients and usually single item nutrients, ascorbic acid rather than natural vitamin C. Uh, alpha, alpha tocopherol synthetic rather than all eight of the natural occurring E vitamins. So I really hate to break it to you, but using older individuals who already either have the disease that you're intending to prevent or already have multiple risk factors for developing those diseases, which includes advanced age, history of smoking, high blood pressure, uncontrolled cholesterol levels, high homocysteine levels, is a rather subtle and deceptive way to deny the benefits of supplementation. Now, the chemical company who produced those synthetic vitamins would love you to believe that those pseudonutrients were comparable to naturally occurring ones. However, considerable research has already exists that demonstrates that our digestive tracts resist absorbing them. We don't absorb as much, and our body excretes them much more rapidly than natural nutrients. So our bodies do notice a difference. Also, it's intellectually dishonest to refer to alpha-tocopherol as vitamin E when any biochemist will tell you that vitamin E is actually a collection of 10 different fat-soluble compounds, which includes four different tocopherols, and four different tocotrienols. But guess what? All of them are present in Shackley's vitamin E complex. All of them. The simple truth is that prevention has got to focus on taking a concerted action before an event occurs. And a casual review of the death rates, which are compiled by the Center for Disease Control, or the CDC, demonstrate that the leading causes of death are all associated with advanced age. That includes heart disease, cancer, chronic respiratory disease, stroke, Alzheimer's, diabetes, pneumonia, and various kidney disorders. A closer inspection of those statistics reveals that death rates only really start to climb significantly after the age of 55, and they reach their peak usually around the year, age 85. So all that data suggests that prevention probably ought to start somewhere well before the age of 55. What do you think? Doesn't that make sense? Thank God Shackley has come to the rescue. Now, Shackley products have been maintaining an impressive track record for improving health and reducing the incidence of disease for the last 63 years. 
The landmark study, which they published in late 2007, clearly demonstrated that long-term Shackley users maintain much lower blood homocysteine levels, which led to much lower incidences of them having either vascular disease, heart attacks, or strokes. Now that's because they took Shackley's B complex, which contained all eight of the different Bs and not just one or two of them. Shackley users in the landmark study also maintained normal C-reactive protein levels, which contributed to vastly lower incidences of heart disease, diabetes, or cancer. Now, the average age of the Shackley participants was 65, same as with the doctor's health study, when the age range was anywhere from 45 up to 85. Now, that's the age at which all those diseases usually begin to manifest, isn't it? The thing that really knocked me out, and I listened to the doctors who produced uh, this study uh, at the convention in 2007, and she mentioned that the most profound difference that they found between the landmark group and the con two control groups was in their use of prescription drugs. Now, federal statistics on drug use through the MEPS program reveals that the average person under the age of 65 who buys a prescription during a year will end up taking at least 12 different prescriptions during that year. And for individuals over the age of 65, those numbers double and usually at about four times the cost. Now, although the two landmark control groups only average taking about 19 prescriptions a year, the Shackley group only averaged consuming about half of one prescription a year. That's a 3,800% difference in the use of drugs. 3,800. Unless you're a mathematician, uh, at which you know how astronomically big a difference that is, just take my word for it. That's a lot. So that's the concrete difference between taking synthetic nutrients when it's too late versus taking natural Shackley supplements for life, preferably starting in your younger years. And it certainly highlights the vast difference in the health status between these two groups, the people who took a synthetic vitamin or the people who didn't take any vitamins at all. So let's look a little bit at anti-aging research. I ran across this 2010 study by uh, fellows from the McMaster's University, and their study caused quite a stir in the media. It was performed by researchers who were getting sick of reading these endless uh, failed single substance studies. And so they decided to explore the impact of taking a full spectrum of nutrients on two different groups of mice. And boy, usually mouse studies are pretty heartbreaking, but this, is a, this, this mouse study is going to have a very happy ending. Now, I started digging deeper into their work, and it turns out that this 2010 study was actually the culmination of six earlier studies that they'd done where they explored which nutrients seemed to provide the most health benefits while decelerating the aging process. And today, these guys have studied more, uh, published more than 10 different studies on this same theme. 
and I have all of them collected on my nutrition page if anybody would like to examine them. Now, the final formulation that they gave these mice included 30 different nutrients, and they took what, from the age standpoint, they took 80-year-old mice, and by the time they'd been given this supplement for a few months, they were as vital and as energetic as youthful adults. Now, their supplement contained all eight of the B vitamins. It contained natural vitamin C, D, and E. It also contained alpha-lipoic acid, some bioflavonoids, some carotenoids, CoQ10, a little bit of garlic, a little bit of ginger root, ginkgo biloba, ginseng, a little bit of green tea, and also an unusual substance called N-acetylcysteine. They also included omega-3 fatty acids and four different minerals, chromium, magnesium, manganese, and selenium. Now, <clears throat> amazingly enough, that's virtually identical to the combination of nutrients that's found in Shackley, that Shackley Landmark participants had been taking all along. So let's review the key Shackley supplements that help to deliver those same anti-aging benefits for you and your family. The first, of course, is Shackley's Vitalizer System, which contains 80 bio-optimized nutrients, including an amazing 26 different antioxidants to help counteract cellular free radical damage, while also supercharging your immune function. Now, the new Life Strip goes one step better by adding Vivix liquid gels and a double dose of Omega Guard Plus to help the original Vitalizer system to improve. Now, Vitalizer Gold also contains one of the more mysterious of the ingredients used in that study that I mentioned earlier, N-acetylcysteine. That's in the gold packs. Now, WebMD reported that N-acetylcysteine is used to counteract acetaminophen or Tylenol and carbon monoxide poisoning. It's also used for chest pains for unstable angina, bile duct blockage in infants, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or Lou Gehrig's disease, Alzheimer's disease, allergic reactions to anti-seizure drugs, phenantoin, better known as dilantin, and eye infections called keratoconjunctivitis. Now, N-acetylcysteine is also used for reducing a form of cholesterol called lipoprotein A, homocysteine levels, and a which is a possible risk factor for heart disease, and the risk of heart attack and stroke in patients who have serious kidney diseases. So, hmm, boy, I want some of that. So whenever I recommend somebody take Vital A, or I should say Vitalizer, I always tell them, I don't care if you're 55 or not, take the gold, because it's the one that has the N-acetylcysteine along with everything else. So rather than reviewing every Shackley supplement for you, I invite you to review the Shackley Member Center to explore the nutrition regimens the Shackley protein sources, and the immune support section. You can also ask your Shackley sponsor about specific products that can help you to address any other specific health challenge that you might face. So far, we're basically talking about prevention, which means you want to get in on the ground floor with a high-quality multivitamin 
and a natural vegetable protein source. Shackley people love to help. You also get to ex enjoy an extended life of energetic health. So <clears throat> I wish you Vida Longa, Langes Leben, Larga Vida, Longe Vie, which all translates as long life, and better yet, long healthy life. <clears throat> 